podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it at Wembley! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eden Road podcast where on tonight's show we're going to be going through our third win on the bounce talking about some big headlines in football this week and doing a brief throw forward to Liverpool on Sunday. Joining me tonight Craig. Craig mate enjoy the weekend. Brilliant mate fantastic. Free on the bounce. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. Couldn't be happier. And also making a long-awaited return to the Eden Road podcast. Callum, Callum first of all mate where the bloody hell have you been? I've been slacking, boys, but I hear my fans have been waiting for me to return. So, you know, I'm back. We'll, we won't skip anything now. I'll be here every week until the end of the season. So, watch this space. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Good to Remember be back, guys. all. Good to be back. <laughs> Remember, guys, just before we get going, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do share it around with your mates. Subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels and also give us a follow on our socials. That's at The Eden Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on Instagram. Right, West Ham, let's go. Callum, three wins on the spin, three top performances. Have the relegation whispers finally gone? I don't think there was any there in the first place, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, I think people were panicking after the Everton game, rightfully so. It was an absolutely you know, dreadful performance. But, you know, we've seen in the past where one win can turn into two, and even in this case, three. Um, I fully believed in the squad. Fully believed in the squad, you know, I, and and they've proved it again. And the people who have come off the the bench have proved the point as well, which is fantastic. You know, you may have looked at the bench over the past four or five weeks with all the injuries we've had and said mm, possibly not too much there, but they've gone on and they've proved that they're worth, uh, you know, worth a chance in this Premier League side. So uh, Thomas Rank's going to have some problems with some players, you know, coming back from injury now. So, uh, but no, great. Three wins on the bounce. Let's make it four. Why not? Exactly that. Craig, how would you assess the performance on Saturday? Uh, do you know what? I thought it was a perfect game for 75 minutes. You know, bar a 15-minute spell in the first half where they got their couple of goals, we were the better team for, for, for the majority of that game. Yeah, we, we created so many chances. And, and the fact that we only scored three is the only negative I can really take from the game. And it's, it's funny that that's a negative in itself. But 75 minutes of that game, we were the better team. It was a brilliant performance from the back to the front. Both goalkeepers that we had, back to the front, was just it was it was a spot on performance. Bar bar a spell where they got their couple of goals. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because they did get their couple of goals and then they got the tails up. But I, I think completely agree with you both. I was watching the game thinking we were on top. I watched match of the day back. I've seen the highlights several times as I do with Brentford games and. Um, we were we were on top pretty much the whole game. And I, I feel like West Ham probably did themselves an injustice because they got themselves into that 2-1 lead. And then for one reason or another, I think Moyes is a bit of a football terrorist, to be honest, um, with the players that he's got at his disposal. <laughs> he sets up quite negatively. Like you, You'd think West Ham going 2-1 up away from home, scoring two really good goals, they'd actually go on and, and win the game. But as Mikel Antonio, <laughs> just having Mikel Antonio up front in any Premier League side, honestly, pound for pound, I think he's the worst striker in the Premier League. What do you think about that? I, I think genuinely, pound for pound, worst striker in the league. Easily. What I will say, what, <laughs> Easily. what a fantastic challenge that was from him on Ben Rama. 
what a brilliant yeah, exactly. that was for Ben Rama. <laughs> I know, I watched it in the highlights and saw Ben Rama like screaming at him afterwards. I think rightly so, you bell end. Anyway, Callum, Neil Mope, back at Brentford, back amongst the goals. We said on the last pod that he just needs a tap in in a, in a similar kind of fashion to the way Shardy did a tap in when he was going through a little bit of a barren spell. He got one on Saturday, got me some points in the fantasy too, which we, which we love to see. Do you think he'll kick on now? Because, I mean, the performances have been there from him. Um, yeah. Do you think he's going to kick on? Massively. I mean, I think we've seen over the past few weeks, starting off with that Burnley game, um, what you know he could do with that header, which was unfortunately disallowed for him. And, you know, a bit unfortunate against Chelsea. You know, he, I think just that little bit of low of confidence, possibly, he, he, you know, he could have tried to, you know, uh, you know, walk into the back of the net, which I think he was trying to do, but still a bit unfortunate there. But, I think he looks a quality player. I've always said, you know, he had a lot to say last week. Uh, and the Everton fans kind of bit back at him, actually, that he feels he's at a club, again, that he's appreciated and the fans love him. Um, I think that's only going to make him a better player. Um, he's working well with the uh, in the three, obviously, with Embremo and Wissa. And, you know, he's... I, yeah, absolutely. The answer to your question, he's going to kick on. I can see him scoring over 10 goals this season. It's a bold statement, bold statement, but I can see him doing it. Like he, he's creating opportunities for himself. He's scoring. That was a good goal, you know. Look, all right, it was only about five yards out, but he still had to go and score it on on Saturday. Um, so, and he probably wouldn't have been expecting the ball because it was a miss hit shot from Onyeka. Uh, so, no, he's going to kick on. He's going to kick on, score some goals, and do very well for us. And I'm I'm very happy to see him get that goal for us. You mentioned his goals and it, and the potential amount of goals that he could get, but I actually think his his all round play and it goes to show that sort of when you're at a club like Everton, no disrespect to Everton, but they have been shy for the last two years. When you're at a club like Everton, it's just difficult to get going for any striker. We've seen it with Cavalier, although he has had a lot of injuries, but any kind of striker that goes there, even Beto this season, I think he's only scored a couple. But Neil Mopé's link up play, I think. We've spoken about it before on the, on the podcast. Even in the championship, as, as quite a small guy, he's got quite a small frame. His link-up play is is really good, and it's quite unexpected. There was a couple of times in the game, Craig, where I saw him prick up the ball, and it was in a difficult situation. He kind of great first touch to set himself. He'd take one player out of the game, and then he'd start the attack and bring in Wisser and Bumo. And there was there was a chance in the second half that if we'd have scored, it would have been it would have been a goal of the season, like with with the interchange between. Neil, I think Neil picked it up, then gave it to Mbumo, then Mbumo to Wissa, then he fed Neil and it kind of just skimmed past the post. But his link-up play, Craig, I just think is phenomenal for someone for someone so small. We, we, we say that it's for someone so small, but we it's the stocky players like him that actually put themselves about a bit more. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to liken him to him, but you think of players like like Kante, who's not very big, but he's quite stocky. Shakiri, obviously the widest football player Stoke have ever had. <laughs> but he's short, he's stocky, he can put himself about. But when you, you've got a low centre of gravity, the ball sticks to him and he can move it around. Like you said, that bit of play where, unfortunately, the final shot's going a bit wide, but him, Brian and Wissa are, are linking up perfectly when they start as a three, or even when Mape comes on later in the game as well. Callum, who's got, who's got a better cross? Jensen or, or Brian? Because there was a few in this game. I mean, Jensen's one for, for the second goal. For the third goal, sorry, was unbelievable. The the whip that he gets on it, the pace that he gets on it, um, yeah. and and Brian Brian had a few as well for the for the second goal. He put it on a sixpence for Mavropanos to tap it into his own net. But yeah. 
they're both just blinding, aren't they? The technique that they oh, have. Massively. I'd say I don't even know if I could answer that question, to be honest with you. It's, uh, you know, both have incredible crossing capabilities. Uh, I would say, if I was going to say one of them, I would say Jensen. Uh, partly because, you know, I just look, I just look at the whip he had on that ball on 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 Saturday, and I say, oh, yeah, bloody hell, that's that's impressive. Like, you know, you, you know, you, you can't you can't teach that kind of stuff. It, it, it's it is that good, and he's only going to go and kick on, I think, and, and get a few more assists. He has done it in the past. You know, he's had a few this season already. I mean, another one's the list. I mean, what a header from Collins as well. He had to put it in the back of the net. Um, but no, I'd say Jensen, I'd say just about, just about. Yeah, you mentioned Collins. I think we should talk about some standout performers, Craig. Nathan Collins, the last two games, has been our, one of our best players, if not the best player. I think uh, he, he didn't really, maybe the defensive performance at Chelsea was so good from everyone that it didn't maybe get the props that, that that would make him the best player on the pitch. But I think on, on Saturday, he really was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I, I'm sure I've said it a few times already, but the centre-back pairing, if we play as a back four of him and Ethan Pinnock, it's just unreal. It's unreal. It's probably one of, if not the best centre-back pairing we had when they're both on their day. You know? Yeah. But having a player as well, just to give him a bit of kudos for coming on a bit later on, when Ben Mee comes on, he just brings that bit of assurance into that back line as well, even more so than they already do. But Nathan Collins has just been solid. He's making his price tag look like a bargain and, and a lot of Brentford fans were, were a bit concerned about how much money we'd spent on him in the summer. But he's absolute bargain, if you ask me. Yeah, I think we also need to give a shout-out to Vitaly Janot putting in a shift at, at left-back. It's it's a weird one with Janot because when we've kind of spoken about, when we're thinking about the next game, we've always kind of given one of the left-back positions to a natural left-back in, in Mads Rasulev or Aaron Hickey or whoever it is. But Callum, Craig, uh, not Callum, Callum, Vitaliano puts in a shift at left back, not Craig. Craig Craig's in the stands, not not in the bloody game. Anyway, yeah, Callum. Vitaliano puts in a shift at left back, and there's a little sequence towards the end of the first half where he whips in a ball on the kind of half volley, and Brian does really well to even get a shot away, let alone kind of capture the pace of the ball, and he kind of just whistles past the post. But he's kind of going under the radar. We'll, we'll talk about sort of where or how we think we're going to line up against Liverpool, but I think that Yano deserves, deserves big credit, Callum. Massively. I mean, look, you know, Hickey especially is big shoes to fill. And obviously uh, Rico Henry as well with, with the injury that he, he, you know, he suffers at Newcastle. So the pressure was on him. Um, and, you know, I look at, he firstly started off, was it the Burnley game? I think he was at left back. I think it, was it Burnley? I think, I think it was. Um, and I, you know, he's kicked on massively. And I think we've seen it before once or twice with him at left back. But what I like from him, he gets forward whenever he gets forward, he comes back, he tracks back his man, um, he gets stuck into challenges. He, he's obviously got great crossing ability, uh, as you've said as well. Um, you know, he, he, Thomas Frank's actually got a dilemma on his hands here. You know, you know, does he keep playing him at centre mid and, um, you know, he's, he's, it's great because the, now Brentford will probably say to themselves, do we really need to go and sign a left-back? Um, you know, if we can keep our centre-mids injury-free, um, you know, and he can play there with as well as he's been playing, then personally, I'd say we don't need to. But it's great. It's great to see a player slot in as easily as... I mean, Frank's done it before with, with Godos, for example. He's one notably who's done that before. 
Um, he's fitted in into a left-back, right-back position in the past. So he's not afraid to do that with his players and he trusts them to do that. Um, but no, all credit to Jan Elk. He's fitted in nicely, talks to his back line. Great crossing, as, as we've touched upon. Um, and yeah, all round great performance. And I think he'll do well on, I think he'll have a difficult task, of course, on, on Sunday. But I think he'll do very well. I think he'll do very, very well on Sunday. Do you see him? Well, actually, no, we'll, we'll say that until we get to Liverpool because we'll talk about shape and how we expect to set up. But I think you're right, though, in, in terms of what Rika Henry maybe struggled to offer and what Jan Elk brings to the left back position, he kind of has, because he's a central midfielder, he has more, he has better attributes on the ball as compared when compared to Rika Henry. So he's, he's, he has, he offers a little bit more going forward. His touches are better, they're quite, they're quite neat. So it's, it's interesting. He is going to have a dilemma. I think with the injury to Aaron Hickey, um, signing a fullback in January might be a good idea, just considering we've now got Aaron Hickey out for however long it is. We don't really know yet. And um, and Rika Henry as well. If that's the case, then we're kind of relying on Ayer and, and Rursler because our only uh, fullback. So it might be a good idea to maybe get in a left-back uh, in January. Anyway, we'll go on to, I think... Any more Burnley chat? Either of you? Any, any anything you want to mention? Just because. Well, rather, rather talk about West Ham. Um, <laughs> Burnley. <laughs> any more West Ham? Sort of Claret and blue, mate. Claret and blue. <laughs> uh, just to go back to a point you asked Callum about um, who do you think could whip a ball in better, Jensen or Abayo? I'm with Callum on Jensen. Obviously, he's he's our dead ball specialist, and he is our player that can create stuff. But I just wanted to give Brian a massive shout out on the work that he's done using his right foot for so long. We was we were seeing a player who was massively reluctant on using his right foot. Every opportunity he got, he would pull it back onto his left. But that first goal on Saturday, he done really well to dig that cross out to get it across the goal in the first place. Obviously, then. It's been cleared, which has had his shot and whatnot. But Brian's doing fantastically on that right hand side, digging the crosses out with that right foot that he's got. I think he's done really well. Yeah, I think the only time I can remember of him using his right foot in the championship was it against Bournemouth at home? In not in not in the not in the playoffs, but when we played them at home, oh, I think it was during COVID. But he, I I struggle to remember a time when he used his right foot, but there was one time when he did. And it was around the time where everyone was thinking, you know, people can telegraph what Brian's going to do because he's so heavily left-footed. So you kind of know that he's going to try and cut in and then his left foot. And then one game, I think it, I think it was Bournemouth at home, he uses his right, digs out a cross, and I think he picks up Tariq Fosu in the box. Might be wrong there. But, Sky um, Sports, I, I think I do remember. Back post, Tariq Fosu. Yeah, I think I think we won 3-2 in that game, I think it was, wasn't it, in COVID? Yeah. Um, I, I, in front of no think... fans, wasn't it? I think he also he also done it. I don't know if it was Brian, but Palace last season when Yanel scored it with the last kick, at, well, the last head of the game, he got that cross in. I'm sure he dug that out with his right foot. Then no, that, that was last... that was Yanel into Wissa. <laughs> was it not? No, it Palace no, last not... season. Palace at oh, at home. Oh, at, at home, home, at home, at home. Right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Continue. We drew. <laughs> we drew one. We drew one all in both places. I think, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. We, yeah, we yeah. equalised with with literally the last touch of the game, and I'm sure that was a Brian cross. Who was right yeah. for Yan to, to equalise. Yeah. No, I think you might be right. Anyway, we'll. we'll uh, I think we should talk a little bit about Ivan Tony, considering the last time we recorded, it has been reported that we've set a hundred million pound price tag on it. Although I was listening to an Athletic podcast the other day. 
and David Ornstein said there wasn't much truth behind those. But any, regardless of that, Craig, what do you make of that valuation? Because there's been a lot of talk about it online. I think it's what he's worth to us. I don't think it matters about what we he's worth to other teams. It's what he's worth to us. You know, when Brighton backed 100 million on Caicedo, people were questioning that price tag then. But it's what players are worth to the, to the club that they played for at the time. For me, I wouldn't let Ivan Tony go for less than 100 million because he's so pivotal to the way that we've been playing. He's he's priceless to the way that we, for for us last season, shall I say, if we didn't have Ivan Tony, we wouldn't have played the way that we've done. So yeah. if we want to say he's worth 100 million, he's worth 100 million pounds to us. If we don't want to sell him for less than 100 million, we don't send we don't sell him. Callum, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with Craig. Um, you know, you're looking at an England striker here as well. Um, obviously, a homegrown player, which I think adds that extra value to him as well. And it's just his, his whole capability of holding the ball up, his set pieces, his, you know, his um, long shots, for example, penalty taking with his record. That doesn't come cheap. And, you know, we are looking... I mean, people were, for example, and I touched upon a tweet the other day, in fact, people saying he's not worth 100 million, yet there's Manchester United going and spending £72 million on a striker who's had one good season in Europe and they feel that that's worth it. Well, Ivan Tony has had countless seasons across all leagues, scoring goals for fun. So if you think someone like that is worth £72 million... And he ain't doing anything this season. Ivan Tony, regardless of what's happened over the last six months, is 100% worth 100 million. And do you know what? If no one wants to pay it, then screw him. That's what I would say. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, look, Ivan Tony, give him six months. He'll go and prove his point again. And then people will come back saying, OK, we should have paid that money. Simple as that. I don't care about the, the situation with how long's left on his contract. You're going to get a goal scorer there. I mean, I think... If he's going to go somewhere, a lot of rumours about Arsenal. Personally, I think Chelsea, because all right, the club's in absolute shambles at the moment, and they have to play against nine men to even get a result. But you know, the fact of the matter is, he could just go for the money, and realistically, he wouldn't have to change probably anything about his lifestyle. He could live in the same place, um, you know, still have a club in West London, get paid good money for it as well. What more would you realistically want? So the answer to your question, 100%, 100 million. If I can see some clubs making some bids here, you know, including some players, those kind of things. Apparently, Eddie Nketiah was apparently linked, according to an article with us, with a, with a huge bid from Arsenal. Again, I, I would laugh that off in a second because he ain't worth it. I've said this for countless years. Eddie Nketiah is not worth it. So... Do not bother Brentford with that simple, ridiculous offer if they come calling. So, anyway. Plus, we'll, plus we'll be able to reach Todd Bowley for 100 million anyway, because he ain't got Easily. Money. He'll get a big contract at Chelsea as well. He'll get a huge contract of like seven, eight years. Again, I'm, I'm sure Chelsea will find a way to do that. So, that is what he'll want. An eight-year, seven, eight-year contract. Take him through to 35. Job done. You're sorted. So I think um, after watching the Chelsea Tottenham game on Monday night, 
I think if any club are in need of a striker that can put away chances, it is Chelsea. <laughs> the amount of chances that Nicholas Jackson missed was just comical. Oh, massively, massively. <laughs> he was comical, honestly. He was comical against us. But flipping it, that hat-trick, I mean, I've seen some in my time, but I mean, I think any of us could have scored that realistically, couldn't we? But um, no, yeah, Chelsea. 100 million, simple as that. If you don't want to pay it, then I'm sure Giles and, and Benham will probably laugh it off as they usually do. He's got a value. He has got a big value to us. And realistically, someone will pay it, I imagine. I- I, I'm not sure if it would be Chelsea, though, just because of their whole model, their whole mantra of we've got to sign players under 25. And if we if they sign Ivan Tony at 28 on a seven or eight year contract, it just kind of goes against their kind of model. But another another rumour that I've just that I saw on Twitter today, uh, Christian Norgard apparently being eyed up by Spurs. I don't know how much truth there is behind it. But we'll discuss it anyway, because there's been quite a few back and back and forths on Twitter about how much we'd sell him for. Craig, how much is is Christian Norgard worth in today's market? To Brentford or in the market? In the market. In the market. In the market, I, I see I see Norgard rated between thirty and forty million pounds. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some, some oh, re- I've I seen some re- the <laughs> Oh, you wanted the I was I was just about to say I've seen some ridiculous shouts saying that he's worth about seventy million. Callum, are you that person? <laughs> no, I'd say he's worth about fifty to sixty, partly because of the fact he's just signed a long term contract with the club. So realistically you look at what he gives to the club. You look at the the contract he has with the club as well. Easily between 50 and 60 million pounds. And he plays regularly for his country. So, and he's, you know, everything he offers Brentford Football Club. Personally, I couldn't see him leaving. Simple as. Regardless hey, I, was, of I, was going, I was just going market value. I didn't go club value. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, 50 to 60 million pounds is where Norgard is worth. It's as simple as that. And yet again, <laughs> if people don't want to pay that, then simply there is a door, in my opinion. There you go. That's the value. That is the value for him. That's value to us. That's the value to us. I totally agree between 50 and 60 million. But if we're looking at what's out there realistically, if we was looking at a player like Norgard and he didn't play for Brentford, that's what we would value him at. To us, 100 million, chuck him in that price tag with Arden Tony, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, he, he's been one of the rocks. One of the rocks from a long time ago as well. A lot a lot of people, probably not from a kind of Brentford background, wouldn't know that the spine of our team goes all the way back to the Championship. But we talked about it on the podcast before. Anyway, West Ham, we'll, we'll finish with West Ham, not Burnley. We beat Burnley, but <laughs> it's West Ham. We beat West Ham as well. We'll finish with that great performance on to Liverpool. We'll, we'll get to Liverpool, but first, we've got the this week's hot topic. I thought this week there's only kind of one thing to talk Well, there's a couple of things to talk about. There's there's Mikel Arteta's comments on refs, so it means we're going to be talking about refs. And there's also a huge game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Monday night gone, um, which was, again, dominated by refs. I've got, I've got a few questions, but just before... I need to say that I have just finished recording an episode with Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap, um, previewing the Liverpool game that we have on Sunday. And we do, well, <clears throat> I don't, Neil Atkinson does go into a lot of detail about his problems with refs and all of that jazz. So there's there's about a 20 minute segment on refs um, that you can look forward to, which will be dropping tomorrow night when at the time of recording. Um, and as he says, he doesn't care about refs. Okay, he doesn't, but he does talk about it for quite a long time. So we'll just we'll just go we'll just keep going. Uh, first of all, Craig, what's your take on the Newcastle goal? 
Should it have been disallowed? Should Raya have done any better just to bring in a Brentford element? Uh, I'll start with the Raya point. And I think, yes, it should have actually done better. But what happened there is what I was saying he was guilty of um, at Brentford and previous goals that he's conceded at Arsenal where he plays that that high line. He plays so close to the ball that that chance that goes over him, it, it happens consistently, which is what I said he was guilty of before. And lo and behold, it's happened again. But uh, there are so many points. Uh, I'm, I'm sure someone's thrown up a bit of a mock-up of what the VAR chat was, but I don't think that's real. Like, <laughs> I saw it. I saw Twitter. it. <laughs> but like, it's 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 so laughable that you can almost believe that it's real. You always believe that it's real. I mean, you've got you've got the ball going out of play. You've got <laughs> you've got the ball going out of play. You've got the possible offside. You've got a possible handball. You've got a possible foul on the defender. You know, <laughs> it's it's a bit of a joke. But whether the ball went out or not is is irrelevant to what I thought was handball. It's very clearly bounced off of his arm to to Anthony Gordon's feet. I don't like Anthony Gordon anyway. Hope he never plays football again. It drops to his feet and he scores. But it was handball. That's the problem that I have. When you look at it, the defender's leaning forward the whole time. Yes, his arms are in the back, but the defender's leaning forwards consistently. I'm just, it was the handball and that would be the one that bugged me if that happened against Brentford. Yeah, I think, I think with a foul, I, I, watching, watching the game, I didn't think it was a foul just purely because I think Gabriel was kind of stooping over and the touch on his back, when you slow it down, it looks bad, but he's literally kind of just, he's just put his hands on his back just, just because he's there as opposed to, he's not really put any force into it. Um, Callum, what did you make of Arteta's comments post-match? Um, lots to unpack with the comments, with what followed, with the reaction, with Postacoglu's mm. comments on Monday. What, what did you make of Arteta's comments? Oh, he's an absolute fool, in my opinion, to be honest <laughs> with you. Listen, at the end of the day, he's just making it about him. He's learning off Arsenal fan TV, realistically, isn't he? He's just moaning, <laughs> literally. Like, at the end of the day, the decision's been made. It's as simple as that. Now, whether you like it or not, you don't have to go out and talk absolute nonsense like that. I hope the FA come down massively and just give him a massive ban so we don't have to listen to his garbage. Simple as that. Um, but he's just making it about him. And the fact of the matter is, you know, he's lucky to even had 11 men on the, on, on the, on the pitch. Like the, the foul that happened in, in, was it the first half? I think where, you mm. know, uh, you know, give me right, Sean, Georginia. That's the one. And you're yeah. just like stupidity like that. And he's got the cheat to come out after and say what's happened. I'm, you know, it's nonsense in my opinion. The fact of the matter is there was no conclusive evidence. Okay, that I would look at camera angles yet again. There wasn't the right camera angle yet again for them to conclusively say that ball had gone out of out of out of the field to play. So realistically, they've got to stick with their decision. It's as simple as that. As no matter how much you dislike it, and I would say, I, do you know what? I would, I would say, you know, it is frustrating. Completely get the point, but the decision has been made. You can't do anything about it. Like end of. And to say the FA is against them, and then the whole Arsenal statement, putting something out on their bloody yeah. website and Twitter. What kind of nonsense is this all about? Honestly, it's ridiculous. Honestly, just stop moaning. You know, you, it, all right, all right, if the goal was disallowed, yeah, nil-nil. You know, 
Okay, fair enough. But probably Newcastle did enough to go and win that game, realistically. Arsenal didn't offer anything. They so, were shy. They were literally they were shy. Dreadful. They're one they're going to lose tonight. They're going to lose tonight. I hope they go and lose tonight as well, because that would be good entertainment. <laughs> that would be bloody good entertainment. Then what's he going to say? But um, no, it's nonsense, really. Nonsense. I, I agree with the things you've said, Callum. I, I don't like Arteta. I think he's a bit of a clown. But I do... I don't think people are outraged at the fact that he kind of spoke out about it and showed a bit of emotion. I, I, I don't understand what the problem is. The fact that people are saying you should get fined by the FA for his comments. It's like, why the hell are we allowed to have an opinion? Everyone else is allowed to have an opinion. Journos, pundits, but a manager can't out, come out after the game and say the refs have been shit. Do you know what I mean, Craig? Yeah, 100%. The, they should have the right to come out and criticise him. You know, they're under the spotlight. Referees so this season are under the spotlight. People need to be calling them out, or, or even just VAR needs to be calling VAR out consistently until the, until it's you know all all done and dusted because it, it can't keep going on like this. Yeah, I think I, I, one... I tell you a way. Sorry to disturb you both. I tell you a way <laughs> to to stop this from happening is I've said this before on the podcast. Bring back referee um, interviews at the end of the game. They used to do it up to, I think, 2004-2005 season. It was actually a quite interesting viewing, actually. Hearing the point of view of each referee as to, you know, a couple of decisions in the game. Nowadays, they get off in their little van, they go home and that's job done. Let's hear what they've got to say about the decisions. Then the managers wouldn't have to come out after and say, why has this happened? Why has that happened? Let the referees explain why these decisions have happened and then we wouldn't even have to talk about it. There you go. Job done. I, I think that a former manager or player should be involved in the VAR room because they'll be able to look at it and know how the game flows and go, that ain't, a, that ain't a foul. That ain't a foul. Yeah, I, I, I think if, 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 if they took your suggestion, Callum, and they came out after the game, I think there'd be a bloody whole podcast after the after the Chelsea game. There's so many incidents going bit by. Oh, that'd be great fun. It'd be great it's, fun. Some, something I wanted to ask. It's an, an interesting thought that I had the other day. We're, we're all going crazy about this um, instant Barclays classic on Monday night, right? Because it had everything. It had controversy. It disallowed goals. It had red cards. It had, it had all of it. But the reason it's a classic, right? And VAR has a part to play in the fact that it's a classic. If it, if if there is no VAR, we don't have any of the disallowed goals. We don't have any red cards. We don't have anything. So, it, I don't know what people. But this is the thing when I, when I was kind of looking at some of the analysis, everyone's saying, "Oh my god, this is the best game this season." It's so refreshing to see such an amazing game. We don't have that amazing game without VAR. So I don't believe. Yeah, sorry, Mike. You were saying, go on. No, so, so so it's kind of like. We're now at a point where everyone's kicking off about VAR every week. So what 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 do we do? Do we bin it off? Do we change something? Because it, it, I've seen a lot. The tide started to turn on VAR. A lot of people were saying before, you know, we've got to stick with it. It's here to stay. But now I think after Postacoglu's comments, especially about how he's been against it from the start, and you kind of see the contrast in managers between Postacoglu and Arteta. Even though you know a lot of people are replacing Postacoglu, but everyone's he didn't have anything to dispute i think we should judge him when he when he actually has decisions go against him um but it, craig what 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 is the solution are we are we binning off var are we making changes to it what, what's going to happen i don't i i hate to say that var is here to say here to stay because i don't want it to you know it completely breaks the flow of the game like you've you've so rightly noted down 
there was the ball was only in play for 23 minutes of that game, or, or I'm sure that's sort of something like that. Anyway, yeah, it was VAR. VAR made that game interesting, but it also ruined the outcome of the game. The decisions that were made, when you look at the that Udogi two footed challenge on on Raheem Sterling, mm-hmm. that's a red card. I don't I don't know what they're seeing there. That's a red card. And then yeah. we're talking about the red card that Romero got. Is if okay, uh, was it Jackson that was offside? It went through Jackson's leg. He was offside. So they've got to go back to the previous incident, which was the red card. But surely they have to look back further to the first phase of that play, which was Raheem Sterling diving in the box to get a penalty. Why aren't they going back to that? Because if he'd have, if he'd have just stopped the game for Sterling diving, Romero wouldn't have got sent off. Mm, but yeah. to, to answer it, mate, ugh, it's here to stay, really, isn't it? It's here to stay, unfortunately. The problem is, Craig, if you're going to go all the way back to an incident like that, then we're going to be there till next week. That's the issue at the end of the day. I agree that VAR should, should be looked at because the referees now, and they touched upon this on Monday... They're so scared now and making the wrong decision. I didn't enjoy that. I did not enjoy that game, to be honest with you, on Monday night. I'm completely against what people were saying. It was comical in parts. They were stopping the game for, you know, decisions that, you know, offsides that were clearly not offsides. You know, it even happened at the game with us on Saturday, with Bowen, with, the, with them apparently looking at a handball. You know, they're so scared of making the wrong decision. It's comical at times. You know, you know they did make some good decisions, granted, but it, some of the other ones were... It was, it was embarrassing. You know, 13 minutes of added time in the first half, 13 minutes of added time in the second half. I mean, this, the, the one with the, where it led up to the Chelsea penalty as well, they were looking at three or four different incidents. And I'm thinking hmm. to myself... What the hell's going on? They were going through every incident, one by one, one by one. And again, they're so scared and making the wrong decision. I mean, it's... Oh, but they need to seriously look at it. It's But what can they do, realistically? I, yeah. I, I think if they if they went back to... You know, if they just binned it all together, we'd be kind of saying the same things about all these decisions that they'd be getting wrong. I mean, that's the whole point that VAR was brought in in the first place, to get more decisions right, which, on average, it does. But... I feel like now they've now they've kind of put VAR in. There is no there is no way out because if we drop it, there's going to be wrong decisions. If we keep it, there's going to be wrong decisions. Either way, there's going to be wrong decisions. So we may as well just fuck it off. Let's let's just let's just think about this this game that we've got coming up this weekend. Let's just say we lose this game one 0 but they've been VAR off for this weekend. We lose one 0 We watch the highlights, and Mo Salah is marginally offside. The conversation that we're going to have on, on next week would be if we had VAR, that game wouldn't have finished one 0 We'd have drawn it nil nil. So it's 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 kind of better the devil you know, or we're we're either we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. We're we're so deep into VAR's shit. If you want some more VAR chat, it is coming your way tomorrow. I have a a long discussion with Neil. I say discussion, it wasn't a discussion. I have a big discussion. I have a, I have a, I got a one way chat, yeah, a one way chat, a one way chat with Neil Atkinson. Um, and just remember at the end of that chat, he says that he doesn't care about VAR, he doesn't just, just remember that, okay? Um, we'll move on, we'll move on. We've got Liverpool, first of all, Callum, um, lineup wise. 
without Aaron Hickey, what, what are we thinking? Are we going to stick Vitali at left back? Obviously, we're going to go to a back five. So he'd be playing as a as a wing back of sorts. So what what do you think? Yeah, no, I think back five. Um, Janelt still at at left back. Um, obviously, it's just a question of the, the midfield and uh, well, who who do you drop realistically for bringing me in? Like that's that's the problem. You know, I don't know what you think, Mike, but. Um, it's a hard one, really. I mean, it's uh, you know you look at the performances from uh, on Yeka in particular. Um, you know, can you drop him after what he's done of late? I don't yeah. think you can. I mean, um, I think uh, an option that we would have in midfield. I don't know if Simon Frank would go for it. Is that Yarm Yarmulik? Yarmulik. Yeah. Yarmulik. Yarmulik. That's what we're going with. Yarmulik has been really good recently, and I feel like if Vitali was to drop out of that midfield three, um, then we'd have. He might be he might be an apt replacement in there just because yeah. he's so far. Watching the Luton game on Monday night against Liverpool, I was a little disappointed with Liverpool's performance. You know, they had a lot of chances, a lot of possession. Um, and considering Luton haven't quite turned Kenilworth Road into a fortress, uh, I was just a little bit disappointed with their performance. So is that cause for optimism, Callum? Or were you expecting a different game on Sunday? I mean, Liverpool are a formidable force. Yeah. I was ill and, and he said that he fancies them as title challengers this season. I can't see a reason why not. Liverpool, no, nah, Liverpool, not a chance, not a chance. Um, I, I would say, listen, you look at when we went back there in in uh, May time, and we were unlucky, I think, to lose that game. To be honest with you, um, we we played incredibly well in that in that game on on I think it's a Saturday night or something like that. Um, so I don't see a reason. Again, we're full of confidence. You know, go there, put in exactly the same performance that we have of late. Uh, and I'd do a, go and frustrate the crowd. You know, we like to break the game up at times. Go and just slow the game down. Frustrate that crowd because they'll get on to the referee. They'll they'll get on to the players if things aren't going their way. Um, I don't see a reason why we can't go there again and go and pick up a win. We went to Manchester United. We were unlucky at Manchester United. We went to Chelsea, completely played them off the park. Why can't we go and do that at Liverpool? You know, I don't think they're all that. They're they're all that. They're all through Salah. Salah in Salah is 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 the one person they look at to, you know, to is their main talisman. So keep him out of the game. I'm telling you now, we we'll go there and win. Hands down, yeah. we'll go down there and win happily. I think um, I think you're doing them a disservice. I think that they're just they're more than Salah. They're more than Salah. I think Subosla in midfield looks a real player. They've got McAllister. Oh no, McAllister suspended. So he won't be there. But they've got Subosla midfield. They've got Diego Jota, who is a tricky customer at times. They've got Darwin Nunes, who's just pure chaos as a footballer. He gets himself so many chances, spurns most of them. But he does he does get into these these situations where it looks like he might score. Um, I think we've got nothing to lose when we go up there. They really, I mean, realistically, from the last three games, we've got nine points. So I wouldn't mind us even going to a four. I know we won't because we want to win every game. But even going to a four and just thinking, you know what? We've got nine points from the last three games. We're probably looking at all three of those, thinking we'd, we'd take sort of six, or yeah, I mean, either I way we're going, I'd take them. I'd take them four. But mm. I think we need to go up there with the attitude that we've got nothing to lose, especially going into the international break. It would be such a great boost for us mm. to win four on the bounce and take three points off Liverpool, which we haven't done yet in the Premier League. Big, t- big, t- big time uh, at Anfield. I mean, it's uh, one thing I think we need to 
utilise again, and I'm sure Thomas Frank and his his, his team are, are looking at it, is how they struggled against us with our set pieces. You know, they were, we utilised them so well over the last two seasons against Liverpool. Um, so, again, I think, you know, get those opportunities to get that ball into the box, uh, with whether it's from free kicks, set pieces, or whether it's from throw-ins, uh, corners, any, anything, because they really did not like what we were doing to them. I, you know, I look back at the home games in particular, um, you know, last season, and they could not deal with anything in that first half. And, you know, we didn't do it as much at Anfield last season. So we know their weaknesses, you know, and I, I, let's go and utilise them. You know, we've got a, we've got a big line. If, especially if Ben Mee comes in as well, you know, he, he, he can, he can cause a few problems. Uh, obviously Collins as well. Um, you know, we've got a, Norgard likes to get in there. Uh, you know, let's go and get some set pieces. Let's get the ball in the box. Let's create some opportunities and anything can happen. Anything can happen. But um, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm really optimistic with this weekend. I, this could backfire big time. But, uh, you know, I, 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 can, I can see it going well. I can see it going well this Sunday. Yeah, let's, let's hope, mate. Let's hope. And remember, if you want a bit more on Liverpool, we do chat about Liverpool. It's not just about ref. So if you want a bit more about Liverpool, do go check out the podcast with Neil Atkinson. That's dropping tomorrow evening as at the time of recording. I think that will be a good place to wrap up the podcast for this evening. The Elam Podcast will be back next week to discuss that Liverpool game on Sunday. And we also have a couple of special episodes planned for the international break with, with two very good guests that I'm sure a lot of people will want to hear as well. I was thinking about doing maybe a tier list episode with, with ex-Brentford players, Callum. Would you be into that? Let's do it. Let's do it. And I'll tell you what, before you go, everyone... I told you on my last episode, Frank Onyeka will become good. And guess what? It's happened. Where are the doubters now? There you go. <laughs> I, don't, I saw some mixed, some mixed replies on Twitter about some people saying he played really well on Saturday. Some people were playing he had a stinker. Um, he's played brilliantly. And look at all the votes now on the Griffin Park grapevine. So, you know, I've always been a fan. Big up, Frank Onyeka. Um, keep going, my son. The goal will come. The goal will come. But no, get some old, get some old faces on it. It'd be good to see them, and uh, yeah, no, relive some fantastic moments we've had supporting Brentford Football Club over, you know, I mean me over fifteen years. So it'll be great to get some former people if you can on it, Mike. So yeah, try yeah. your best. Try your we've best. Got a, we've got a couple of guests. I'm thinking about doing a tier list episode as well with ex-Brentford players, which will be, which will be a lot of fun. So so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and remember, guys, just before we leave, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do share it around with your mates. Subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels. And also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Elam Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on Instagram. Callum, it's been a pleasure, mate. Craig's gone now, but uh, we'll see him Great. and see you next week. See you later, all. Great to be back. Podcast Network.